Hey guys, welcome to A Bird Hunter's Thoughts, Turn Them Loose, a podcast about all things bird dogs and bird hunting. If you get a chance, go ahead and like and subscribe and share this program. Send it to a friend. Well, let's go ahead and get to today's program. so excited about today's interview. I've got Dr. Sean Wayman on the line. Sean and I are friends. Uh, he's a bird hunter, even though uh, we are friends, even though he has setters. He is sort of the bird dog guru, to my mind, uh, among veterinarians, and uh, he really, really knows his stuff. So we're going to talk about first aid and uh, field emergencies today, so stay tuned. still have my ESP uh, ear attenuators. I wear them and shoot in them and I'll be leaving on Thursday for my first hunting trip to Montana and I'll be wearing them the entire time. So that will be two-week hunting trip and I will really really work them hard and, and give you an update on how they work. Uh, I don't anticipate having any problems. Um, my biggest problem is making sure I've got batteries available. Um, because as any hearing aid that uses batteries, uh, once you take them out of the package, they start going down, whether you're using them or not, the batteries. So they last, uh, you know, a week or two, but they uh, got plenty of spares, and that shouldn't be a problem. But I'm just thrilled to death with them. I want my hearing protected, and uh, ESPAmerica.com. Thank you. I'm here today with uh, Sean Wayman um, from uh, Castle Rock, Colorado, a vet, veterinarian, and a vet, veteran, and um, he is uh, my go-to guy on anything uh, vet-related other than my local vet, and uh, he's sort of a expert. Sean, you're going to get a big head here. He's sort <laughs> of an expert as far as I'm concerned on bird dogs and bird hunting and uh and all that kind of stuff. He's probably an expert in a lot of other things as well, but that's what I go to him for. And Rashawn, how you doing? I'm good, Randy. Thanks for having me. Well, I thank you, and thanks for thanks for letting me interview you. I've got um, three. The reason I'm calling is because I'd like to ask you about some emergencies in the field, which is, you know, I'm leaving for Montana next week, and uh, I've got my medical kit, and I've had, I've had to staple dogs up. Um, I've had to, that's basically the most major thing I've had, porcupines, uh, you know, just pulling quills out of the dog, and I'll start them on antibiotics, and and uh, basically that's all I ever do with them. Uh, I did have one that was so bad one time, a porcupine uh, attack. <laughs> yeah, I've had some bad ones in my career. Oh, oh, I know. I took it to the vet, and of course it was on a Sunday, and the vet was 100 miles away, <clears throat> she came out and uh, we put the dog to sleep and pulled 400 quills out. I think. Oh my gosh! Well, they were down yep. through thing out. So yeah, one time I had three Weimar armors on a on a week night or it was a weekend night. I had all three dogs knocked out on the ground and I pulled probably thousands of quills oh. out of those dogs. 
So I've seen some bad ones. And you got one of the things that I would caution people, your listeners, is I, I had a dog last year. It was a <clears throat> actually it was a poodle, standard poodle. The guy hunts with um, got into a porcupine and he pulled him himself. And about three days later, one from the back of the mouth migrated into the eye. So you you really got to look in the mouth. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say so, and then and I agree with that for sure. And I think I think the issue is you got to know your limitations as well. And Absolutely. I tell guys if there's any doubt and you've already answered your question, take them to the vet. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I I agree 100 percent on that. So uh, yeah, we had one uh, last year. I was hunting with uh, a couple of uh, young couples that I hunt with in South Dakota, and. Uh, one girl's dog got into a, a, you know, it was it was not that many quills, and we just, you know, we just low rolled them over and yanked them out. And I was fairly confident that nothing, he didn't have anything in the back of his mouth at all. It was just on his lips and uh, nothing in his tongue or anything. So I'm pretty pretty confident about that one. And and you know, my other dog, my ace dog, he used to get him. He's come to me before retrieving a pheasant and had quills on coming out the right side of his head. And, uh, <laughs> And I'm convinced, you know, he was just running. He was running fast, and he just had a little, you know, blow by a, an old porcupine, I'm sure. And, uh, yeah. Didn't even slow him down. I just thought it was kind of funny looking. Well, uh, so the, the business about cutting the quill before you pull it out, that's an old wives' tale, is it not? Yeah, the, there's no uh, merit to that at all. Okay. I, uh, let's put that one to bed. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I agree with that. That just triples the amount of work you got to do. So. Really, the best thing to do is just grab a hold of those at the base and try to get as close to the tip as you can and just pull them straight out. Yeah. Okay. And hence, uh, that's why you recommend in a multi-tool, one of the reasons. Oh, absolutely. I always carry one in my vest. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And So um, what about uh, another common field emergency, and that would be, um, let's talk about snake bite. Let's just get that out of the way because that's going to come up. Uh, I, uh, in, <laughs> you know, I can see this. I can see this conference call going like I'll get back from Montana and talk about the time the first time my dog ever got snake bit. But uh, we see ter- uh, prairie rattlers up there a lot, and uh, yeah, and you know, I've been going up there for 15 years at least, more. And you know, I never saw snakes at all because I just stay out of snaky areas. Right. So, you know bundles of rocks and cliffs and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, snakes are everywhere. Yes, and they are. Recently, I have seen some. Uh, I do have my dog snake-proofed, uh, basically trained to avoid visual and the smell of snakes. And that does work. I have a, a anecdote that I saw a pearl hunting in front of me, and I just noticed that she took a little juke that wasn't normal. It went in my brain and just registered. I didn't even think anything about it. But when I got to where she was, I stepped right over an eight-foot timber rattler. Oh, my gosh. She just – so what I need to do is get that snake proofing to where they not only avoid the snake, they turn around and bark at you. (laughs) Absolutely. That would be awesome. (laughs) That would be awesome. But but anyway, snake proofing does work. And uh, I'm a big big fan of snake proofing, so my dogs are all snake proof. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt to get them redone. I guess I I know I don't need to get pearl redone, but the uh, so worst case we're there. The dog is bitten. Where do they typically get bitten? In the nose? In the well, it's usually in the face. So 
Yeah. Most of, I mean, I have seen dogs bit on the leg, and those dogs <clears throat> didn't know the snake was there, but most of them, they reach down, sniff, and get bit right in the face. That's the majority of the snake bites that I've treated have been in the face. Yeah, I would think so. So, so let's assume, uh, you know, a bruiser comes back over the coulee, and uh, he's kind of brushing his nose with his with his paw, and it's starting to swell up some. And uh, you know, you can't see any teeth marks. I mean, I, I see people I can see the fang marks. I never could. But uh, let's say you can't see this teeth mark, the fang marks. What should you do? Well, if the face starts swelling, you should assume that it's a snake bite, and you should okay. find the near, nearest vet as soon as you can. Okay. Honestly, anything that you do in the field is going to delay the time it takes for you to get to your, to the nearest veterinarian. Okay. So let, let me ask you this, Randy. You're going to Montana. Do you, have you looked to see where the nearest vet is and plan to be able to be to get there if you need to? Yes, I have Good. them. On, I have them on my phone. Good. Uh, Gold star. Yep. Yeah, and I go ahead and put it on my phone, and. Um, I put their address and their phone number in my phone wherever I'm going to hunt the closest vet that I can find. Um, I will do that, and that's uh, that's definitely a go-to thing for me. Um, so, so I think that's great. So you just that makes it easy for us because what you're telling us is, um, you know, don't slice it. Try to suck it out. Don't put a nope. tourniquet around his neck. Don't. Uh, and I mean, all these things that we hear people want to do. Uh, and really, because it's not, uh, you know, I have packed Benadryl, and I have packed uh, Ciflexin or some other antibiotic. And uh, what else did I put in my snake bite kit? I put Benadryl, Ciflexin, and and uh, I can't remember. There's three things in there. But, but really, it's not a histamine reaction, so all Benadryl is going to do is make them tired, which... That's right. So Benadryl has no effect on it. The, the only thing that I could see Benadryl helping is when they give the antivenom. Um, they, they could have an anaphylactic reaction to the antivenom. So I, I'll use Benadryl and steroids when I'm given the antivenom, but the antivenom is really the only thing that's going to help the snake bite. Right. Um, but, but say you... You know, say it's not a bad bite and the swelling is not terrible. I mean, cephalexin is not a bad idea because they do get infection. I mean, it causes damage to the tissue, and damage to the tissue is a good medium for bacteria. So cephalexin is a great choice of an antibiotic to have in your first aid kit. So absolutely. Okay. Um, but, but to go back, if my dog got bit, I would be in the car as fast as I could, and I'd be going to the nearest vet that would have the antivenom. Okay, yeah. And uh, all the other stuff, if you're sitting there in the field trying to do first aid in the field, all you're doing is delaying the inevitable, which is to get the dog to the vet. That's that absolutely it? correct. Okay, so, okay. So, yeah, so one thing about snake bites is 50% of them are dry. So 50% of the snakes that bite dogs don't inject any any venom into them. So you got to... 50-50% chance. I, I've seen, over the years, I've seen some where they injected a little and had a minor reaction, and I've seen them where they got bit bad. I saw a dog one time got bit right on the forelimb, and that dog just about died, and there was no puncture wound. They saw the snake, and so that's how we knew what happened. So, and there was, I couldn't find a puncture wound, but when I actually took a blood sample and looked at it under the microscope, the red blood cells have have, they have this changed appearance to them that's pretty 
um, indicative of them being envenomated with with the toxin. So, wow, wow, that's, yeah. that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, is there any? Uh, so, fifty percent of them are dry, and then of the ones that are not dry, uh, I don't know if snakes. I heard the snakes sometimes will. You know, an old wise snake, he'll just he'll just he'll just pop a guy and just give him a little shot, saying, "Hey, get away." That yep, that happened. I've seen that happen recently to one of my good friends' dogs up in Wyoming, and it was on a on a cool day, so you know, not not one of those days you would think the snakes were out, but that snake just barely injected venom in the dog, but he still they still did antivenom. I think at CSU is where he ended up at. Uh-huh. He still still did the antivenom, so. Um, even though it was a minor bite, dog recovered great. But but the prairie rattlers are pretty wimpy compared to like a timber rattler or the snakes they got in the southwest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those those snakes are deadly. Yeah, that Mojave is the one that scares me. Oh yeah. Green one. They got them in New Mexico now, and, and I'm concerned about that. Yeah, they, they worry me. So. Yeah, the locals down there in New Mexico won't even go out when it's above 60 degrees. Yeah, I don't blame them. I don't either. And uh, I'll be out there at 80 degrees schlepping around. And, and we found a, a diamondback or whatever the local rattlesnake is there in New Mexico uh, about eight feet from the truck just sunning himself when we got back from a cast. And it was about 55 degrees outside. Yeah, no kidding. Well, you know, here in Colorado, we'll see him in December uh, where the scaled quail are. And uh, I see him every year. So they're right. out there. They're out in the wintertime if it's warm enough, and it's usually around those prairie dog colonies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, those are perfect for snakes. They can, they oh, can yeah. sleep and eat and got protection. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a snake colony. I do not let my dogs go into a prairie dog town. Yeah, I try not to, too. Oh, boy. Well, um, so, well, that's good word on the snake bite thing. I think that helps everybody as a general rule. Pick up your dog and run to your truck and take them to the vet. That's that's very simple. Yeah. Uh, how about uh, a wound, uh, a, uh, a tear from, you know, uh, the fence and uh, or just a piece of metal sticking out of the ground, a gaping chest wound? Uh, how about let's address one that doesn't go into the muscle, just slashes the skin, and then let's talk about one that really gets down deep. Okay, so those, and, and that's probably the most common thing that I see. I mean, it happens to my dogs all the time, too. And so one of the things that I carry in my first aid kit is betadine solution, and I'm, I'll mix that. So I'll get them back to the truck, um, and I'll mix betadine solution with water to make it look like it's weak iced tea, and then I'll irrigate the heck out of that wound to clean it up. And then just the, you know, tearing the skin, I, you can staple that pretty easy just have somebody hold your dog and then staple it back together um anytime you have something like that done and i think in my mind even if even if that doesn't you know heal completely putting the skin back over a wound is a good bandage to allow it to heal or to keep the dirt and debris out until you get home so sometimes i've had to even on my own dog my cocker spaniel we were hunting a uh, Gamble's quail in Colorado, my cocker spaniel went through a fence and she got cut, and I was like, ah, oh, dang. So I stapled it back together, but when I got home, I had to re- take the staples out and freshen the edges up and re-stitch it. But the wound was really clean because I had done that. 
Yeah. Um, so when you when you get those deeper wounds into the muscle, you can do the same thing. The, the, the muscle layers need to be put back together because if you don't put them back together, you leave a space in there that fluid can build up in, and that's called a seroma. Um, I still think you could – I mean, if you can't get to a veterinarian, if it's, say, 200 miles away or if you know, you can still staple those wounds and then get to the veterinarian. If, say, the veterinarian's closed or something, you can still staple that wound and then have them take the staples out and stitch it up. So any time – and say you don't have a stapler and you had a wound on the leg or something, any time you can just clean them up with betadine and saline or peroxide and 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 water or, or back to the betadine you can use just water if you have saline that's great too but if you use peroxide you don't want to use full strength peroxide because it actually causes free radical damage to the tissue so what I would do if I use peroxide is I'd probably use half and half with water and clean the wound out um, and then staple it and then have your veterinarian or the local veterinarian look at it so and again like you said Earlier, if you're trying to second guess this and you think it's really bad, don't don't mess around with it. Just go see the local vet or the closest vet you can get to. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know people ask me, I get questioned all the time. Do you think I'd have taken to the vet? And I say you just answered your own question. Yes, thank I you. I mean, it's it's very simple, you know, and uh, so. Uh, I've never had, I've never run into or encountered anybody that was worried about losing hunting time when their dog's bleeding on the ground. But I'm yep. sure somebody out there like that, if that's the case, you don't need a bird dog. That's exactly right. <laughs> Send so, your dog to me. Uh, yep. You don't need a dog if that's your attitude. But anyway, I think, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's right, you know. Get them to the vet. And, uh, you know, you know what I found out too last year? Uh, you never met Pearl. She's my little girl. But uh, she ended up with Pyometra last year on this trip, on this Montana. And uh, took her to the country vet. Of course, he was a large animal vet as well. And uh, they gave her a, uh, it's not a son, what they, it's not a sonogram, what do they call that? He did an ultrasound, yeah. yeah. Did an ultrasound on her, did an x-ray, did, you know, did a blood test, all that stuff. Determined what it was, told me. Hey, Randy, this is Pyometra. He said, we got two choices. We can spay her or we can, I can put her on antibiotics. We want to get her home. And I said, well, let's put her on antibiotics. I called my vet after I left the office. He said, turn around, take her back, get her spayed now. Yeah, I think that was wise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he said, do not let the sun set on Pyometra. Yeah, so, that's wise. Unless, now if it's draining out the back end, out the vagina, I think antibiotics are okay. But I, I think you did the right thing. Yeah, and it was, so, I'm glad I did. I, I hated, you know, she was my next, I wanted a puppy out of her, but I wanted her. So I didn't, yeah. want, didn't want to take a chance. And uh, No, you made the right decision. But that's one of those things where I saw the discharge and I said, that's weird, you know. And, uh, and uh, gee, should I take her to the vet? Randy, you just answered your own question. So anyway, don't, I wouldn't worry too much about the money because you're going to be dealing with country vets normally, and then I'm going to charge a little bit less. But that's neither here nor there. It doesn't really matter. Um, yep. What other injuries do you see in the field that uh, would be something that we'd need to be thinking about? Well, I think uh, the most common things that, I, that I'll see in my own dogs are things in the eye. So every time you get back, 
after your truck, you should be checking your dog's eye. Set them on the tailgate, look in the eye, um, look for, you know, foxtails, especially in the early season is when you're going to see those foxtails or grass arms or weed seeds, whatever. Um, you know, I'll rinse my dog's eyes out. In my first aid kit, I carry contact saline solution. So it's just saline. So yeah. it's safe, safe, safe saline for your eyes. It's safe saline for their eyes. And I'll rinse those eyes and make sure. And one of the things that you gotta, that, that a lot of people don't understand is the dog has that third eyelid or nicotating membrane. And, and sometimes things will get underneath that. So it'll be underneath the third eyelid right directly against the cornea and it, and it can cause an ulcer fairly fast. So I'll rinse the eye. Um, if you have any question, like if your dog's squinting this eye, you, what you can do is, push the eyeball in and it'll bring the third eyelid up and then you uh-huh. can take a Q-tip and just tease that third eyelid over and look in there. So, <clears throat> yeah, so that's eyes, are, you know, check their eyes. The other thing I see is foot problems, you know. Um, I just have, right, right now I'm seeing tons of dogs with abscesses in their feet from from foxtails or grass-ons. Oh, um, man. I'm seeing like three or four a week of, of abscess feet, and that's something that all you have to do is pick up the foot and look between the toes and, and see if there's something in there. Yeah. So is it oh. going to be real evident? I've not seen a grass-on before. So, I, I mean, I've had grass-ons in my dogs that cause problems, but when I'm, I've never looked, seen anything in their feet. Is it real obvious to be something sticking in there? Or? Yeah, you can see them. I, a friend of mine sent me a picture on Sunday because his dog's foot was enormous. This is a Brocco Italiano. Dog's foot is enormous. I said, well, shoot, that looks like a weed seed or grass on. And then he sends me another picture. He said, I never thought about it. And the other picture he sends me is him picking up the foot and looking at the bottom. And there's three or four of them stuck right in the foot. So you can see them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, If you're running them in tall grass, it's not a bad idea to open their mouth and look in their throat and see if they got it stuck in their throat too. Yeah. Do you remember that time Ace was on his way to Auburn because he, uh, my vet thought he had cancer? I and remember that. I called you and you said, well, it's probably a grass on. And I'm thinking, really? I mean, his side was bulged out, you know? Yeah. And you said, go ahead and uh, heat compresses twice a day. He said, well, you're waiting to go to Auburn because I had to wait over the weekend anyway. And sure enough, by Sunday, that thing had ruptured. And that's exactly what it was. Was the grass on? Yep, but you see it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a nasty smell. Oh, well, it is. You know, I think right now my biggest fear with my dogs are those stupid grass on because they can migrate anywhere. <clears throat> In fact, I read a study recently where where they were looking at post mortem exams at the vet hospital and they have found weed seeds in every single organ of the body on post mortem exams on dogs. So they can go anywhere. So, and they probably are right now. I would think, you know, as much as my dogs hunt in country that they have them. Yep. Especially, I'm finding out that uh, Arizona, Mern's hunting in Arizona and those mountains. Yep. It, uh, man, they're picking up something, and I'm picking these things off these dogs for months. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, and I'm hunting in Montana. I know North Dakota's got that needle grass. I know yep. That. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that in the feet. That's bad yep. stuff for the feet. 
Yeah, yeah. And by the time I get there, it's usually cold enough where the seeds are on the ground, which is good for the eyes, I guess. It's not, not going to get them in their eye, but they do get them in their feet. That's and right. So I don't know. I, yeah, I think that is a real problem. And anyway, I do look at my dog's eyes and, and get that stuff. Uh, you know, try to try to keep all those seeds and wash it out of their eyes and so on like that. But I'm probably a little bit remiss in checking their feet, but I'll do that more often for sure. Yeah, I mean, and even when you go like down into the southwest, I mean, there's so much cactus, and I know we do a good job at boot, booting our dogs, but those. I'm finding that the boots hardly hold up and that that stuff just goes right through the boots. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I did a I did a thing on my blog, an article on my blog about boots and talked about them. And, and um, you know, those Lewis boots are kind of nuclear. Uh, they're the nuclear boot. Uh, but I've seen cactus spines go straight through a Lewis boot. Yeah, me too. I stopped buying them for that reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so, you know, there's... The boots are will protect your dog, but it's not bulletproof. There's no doubt about it. But I still run them with boots on. Yeah, you know, one of the things I'm intrigued by right now is just duct tape in their feet because I did a couple, did it a couple times last year, and it seemed like the duct tape really kept the um, the choya and the prickly pear from going through it. So, it, although on rocks and stuff like that, it just wore out in a matter of minutes. But, but yeah. Uh, how about the sand spurs? Keep keep them out. It kept the sand spurs out too. So that's the big issue in New Mexico. Yep, and and the other thing is is that they when I put the duct tape on their feet, I didn't get the rub sores that like the inner tubes, the motorcycle inner tubes, or the Lewis boots caused. Yep, that's the issue with so, this. And I'm using currently using the motorcycle tubes. Yeah, me too. I use it a lot. But so how did you? Can you explain? Verbally, how you did the, um, the tape? Well, there, yeah, there's a video on YouTube, and I don't remember the okay. thing. I just, I think I just looked up duct tape dog boot or something like that, and then I just watched how they, you know, they just ripped it off in pieces and laid it on in pieces and then wrapped it around. But I, I, I'm terrible at describing things, so probably the best thing is to just get on the YouTube and look at it. Yeah, thank God for you. So, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, Sean, I, oh, by, by the way, you're a bird hunter, correct? Yep. And what kind of bird dogs do you have? I have two setters and an English cocker. Okay, awesome. Well, I thought you said yep. you were a bird hunter and no Britneys, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I do like. It's a running joke amongst you, <laughs> you guys, you and. You know, you guys about Britneys out there, but um, I I like Britneys. I respect Britneys, you know. And I see, I would say I see thousands of Britneys in my everyday practice. So I I got nothing against Britneys. Yeah, uh, I know your brother runs them. Yep, and you know the thing. I guess the thing that I like about English setters is the, the tradition in the grouse woods in the Northeast. So yeah, absolutely. That's that's what got me into setters. Yep, and I have setters as well. I've setters for a long time, so I agree with you there. I'll have always maintained, one, there's nothing more beautiful than a setter puppy, and two, there's nothing more beautiful than a good-looking setter on point. Yes. They are. That that big, long, shaggy tail is awesome. So, yep. Well, that's good, Sean. Okay, I think we're we're about out of time, and and uh, yes. I appreciate you spending your time. Oh, shoot, it was my pleasure, Randy. Thank you.
So, and what's the name of your practice out there? And it's in it's in Castle Rock. Castle Rock. Yes, in Castle Rock. It's the Animal Care Center of Castle Rock, and we're in Castle Pines North. And, okay. Uh, yes, we got a good practice. We have a um, we do mostly small animal, but we have a behavior practice, a dental practice, and we have a rehab practice. We do a lot of sporting rehab. So I'm I'm just a general practitioner. Yeah. So I don't. I, I do a lot of dentistry and a lot of a lot of everything, mostly on hunting dogs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've read your articles and I see them. I see them a lot of different places. So, so that's good. Well, Sean, I appreciate it, and uh, I'll talk to you later. Thank you. All right, Randy. Thank you. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to Sean. Every time I talk to him, I learn something. And he's truly the expert when it comes to bird dogs. I'd like to recommend my book, Endless October. It's on Amazon as a paperback, a Kindle edition. And also it's on Audible, which is owned by Amazon, as an Audible edition narrated by yours truly. I, I narrate the book and uh, I really got to tell you I like it. I didn't think I was going to but I've listened to it and uh, it just brings a lot more to it. So give that a shot if you would and give that a listen and my blog is abirdhunterstoughts.com uh, in the first homepage of the blog then you'll see links to ESP America also my book and my other two sponsors Wingworks Hunting Vests and GAIA GPS so I encourage you to go there and uh, you, can, you can scroll through that blog as well we've got a lot of good information there thanks for listening and stay tuned for more I think next um, next episode is probably going to be a manufacturer of CBD oil for pain relief in dogs and I'm excited to get a hold of him uh, because I'm using that on one of my dogs now and within four days it's working I'm pretty impressed so anyway CBD oil in dogs that should be our next one thank you